0: morning church morning. Um, you'll notice I'm going to use my uh, my cheaters here this morning as Wayne pointed out this morning that I needed either longer arms or some uh, optical enhancement to help me read so this Thursday coming up we have a, a day that uh, here in America we call Thanksgiving and it's a day associated with many things uh, historically we We talk about the pilgrims who traveled to America on a a ship called Mayflower, and they celebrated a day with the Native Americans in appreciation for a a harvest that kept them fed. And if you you dig a little bit into the story about these pilgrims, they were uh, a group of folks that were seeking religious freedom. They uh, originally came from England and they started having disagreements with both the Church of England and the Catholic Church in terms of some of the practices that that both of those uh, religious groups um, believed in. And contrary to what I originally thought, they didn't come straight over from England. Originally, they went to Holland to uh, seek some religious freedom there, but they struggled with the language there, as some of us, you know, can understand. You know, if, if we speak English and nothing else, um, moving somewhere else can be a challenge. Um, the other thing they struggled with over in Holland was the permissive culture. Right? They went from some place that was fairly religious to some place that that wasn't, and they struggled there. And so they went from Holland and came came to America. Now, if you've ever been up to to Plymouth Plantation, or up in that part of the country, they have a replica of the Mayflower. And let me tell you, it's quite eye-opening. Because this was the smallest little vessel that I've ever seen in my life. And thinking about, you know, the Pilgrims across the crew, trapped on this thing for crossing the Atlantic, it was kind of mind-boggling to me. I've spent 11 years serving in the Navy on submarines, and I've been across the Atlantic a couple times, and you know, in a in a modern vessel and there were times where I didn't enjoy that. If you've ever been on the surface in the North Atlantic during a storm, it's quite unpleasant. Now I can't imagine being on the Mayflower, which really is not that big. The programs were not allowed on deck, so there are all these people trapped inside of this wooden ship. You can't open a porthole to get fresh air because water would come in. They've got animals down there with them. So you can imagine how pleasant that is. So these folks had to endure all of that to come to America. And once they get here, it's not like they're stepping off and moving into their vacation condos or even pre-established log cabins or anything. They've got to start from nothing. And there's no crops waiting for them. So, if you think about what they were facing, this is a true struggle for survival from day one. But to them it was worth it. Because they had the faith that God was going to see them through. And that's the foundation of thanksgiving. But for others, it's a day where we eat a lot of turkey and take a nap, wake up, watch some football, eat some pie, take a nap, watch some more football, and enjoy the day away from work. For some, it's the beginning of the Christmas season. Right after Thanksgiving, you can put your decorations up, although commercial America, it seems like any more Labor Day is the start of the Christmas season which sparked a fight in our house yesterday. Um, one of my daughters, it's just, it just drives her crazy that anything associated with Christmas is out already. But it's also a time for family to come together to look back over the past year and think about the things that we're thankful for. And sometimes people look back and they think, well, I don't have a whole lot of things to be thankful for. But to kind of put things in perspective, I'd like to read uh, a short story. One day a professor entered his classroom and asked the students to prepare for a surprise test. And as you can well imagine, the students now are waiting anxiously at their desk for this surprise test to begin. And the professor handed out a question paper with the paper facing down as usual, and once he handed everything out, he asked the students to turn the page over. And on the page was a blank sheet of paper with a big, you know, a green dot right in the middle of it. Well, obviously, all the students are confused, and the professor told them, said, what I want you to do is write in your own words what you see there. The students were a little bit confused, but then they started on this strange task. And at the end of the class, the professor ended up grabbing all the, uh, the answer papers and started reading each one of them aloud in front of the students and having a variety of students in the class you know we got a variety of answers you know these had the physicists talking about the size of the green dot the density you know the distance from each edge of the page and the more right-brained folks talked about the fact that it was hunter green or Kelly green or forest green Some of the more artistic folks talked about the fact that it represented a, a green pasture in the middle of a snowfield. But invariably, each of the papers focused on the green dot. And after he read them all, the professor began to explain. He said, I'm not going to grade you on these papers. I just wanted to give you something to think about. Nobody wrote about the white part of the paper. Everybody focused on the green dot. And a lot of times the same thing happens in our lives. We have white paper to observe and enjoy, but we always focus on the dark spots in our lives. Our life is a gift given to us by God with love and care, and we always have reasons to celebrate. Nature renewing itself every day, friends around us, job provides us our livelihood, the miracles we see every day. However, we tend to focus on the dark spots health issues that bother us, lack of money, complicated relationship with a family member, or disappointments with friends. The dark spots are very small compared to everything we have in our lives, but they're the ones that we focus on. So take your eyes away from the dark spots in your life. Enjoy your blessings in each moment that gives you. Be happy and live a life positively. Now the moral of the story is not that we don't have issues to face in our lives. We certainly do. And the Bible is clear that we're going to have them. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, he writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking for anything. The point is that we should work to gain perspective on the issues that face us. We get caught up in work and stressed out, And what occupies our time tends to be out of proportion into what's truly important. And I think as we get older and older, later in life we're not gonna sit around, looking back and think, you know what? I wish I spent more time in the office. I wish I cranked out one more report. And some of you may be sitting out there thinking that I don't know what you're going through, or what it's like to walk a mile in your shoes. and So I shouldn't say that you should be thankful for anything. This may be true. I, I don't know what each one of you are going through, and I may not have been exposed to similar hardships. But I'd like to take a look at an example from the Old Testament of somebody who we may think went through a few hardships. In the book of Job, beginning in chapter 1, the Bible tells us in the land of Uz there there lived a man whose name was Job. The man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. Seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. So Job's living a pretty good life. He's the godly man. Satan comes along and God holds up Job as an example. In verse 8, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. But Satan fires back. Well, the only reason that he's like that is, you know, have you not put a hedge around him and his household? And everything he has, you've blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. So God gives Satan permission to afflict Job as long as he doesn't take Job's life. So, what does Satan take away? Everything Job has. He takes away his flocks, his herds, and kills his sons and daughters. But still, Job stays faithful. And God holds him up as a shining example. In chapter 2, verse 4, a man will give all he has for his own life. Now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones. He will surely curse you to to your face. This is Satan asking again to afflict Job. So God gives him permission as long as he doesn't take his life. And so in verse 7, Satan goes out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself as he sat among the ashes. And his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. And Job replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? So relative terms, I think Job's probably got it pretty bad right now. He went from being probably the wealthiest man around to having nothing. No flocks, no herds. Sons and daughters killed. House burned down. Now he's got some disease where he's taking broken pottery and scraping his skin. Now I may have had poison ivy or mosquito bites that some point in my life where I'm scratching myself, maybe to the point where it sometimes, you know, maybe cause my skin to be bloody. But I've never taken like a broken piece of glass or something and sat there and scraped myself raw. Something in Job's got it really, really bad right about now. And Job's been a godly man his whole life. Now his wife is saying, curse God and die wife's telling him you got it bad brother and still job is saying this is from god now he's an extreme example of having things go wrong in his life and for most of us we don't expect our houses come crashing down around us at the same time our family dies and we lose our job and disease hits us all at once But have you ever had a friend or a family member where multiple things happen to them in rapid succession? You ever heard the expression, boy, if it wasn't for bad luck, they wouldn't have any luck at all? And that happens sometimes. And if you think about some of the things that we have to be thankful for, think about for a moment that the country that you live in. For the most part, when you flip that light switch on, the light turns on. When you turn the water on in your house, you've got drinkable water that comes out of it. And when you're driving down the road, just think for a moment that the power of having a light bulb come on behind the colored piece of plastic causes another vehicle to stop and not crash into the side of you. Isn't that amazing? Think about that for a second. A light causes somebody to stop. There are places in this world where that doesn't happen. You go to southern Italy, stoplights are suggestions. People just go and go and go and go until these people waiting, they kind of push themselves out into traffic and then they go and go and go and go. There's lots of places in this world. There's shortage of drinkable water, not enough food, intermittent electricity, general lack of safety. I don't think there's anybody in here that worries about rebels coming into their town and taking over people's houses. There's no warlords taking over Anne Arundel County, controlling the food in the state of Maryland. For all the turmoil that does go on in our country, we forget that there's a lot of things for us to be thankful for. On a more personal level, think about the gift that God has given you today. You woke up this morning. God granted you a safe trip here to the building. You're still drawing breath. And that fact means that God still has a purpose for you. God still has a work for you to do here on this earth. Several years back, there was a Sunday morning class. That Mitch led. And he started off with. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. And be glad in it. And that's such a strong statement. Because each day truly is a gift. In the scripture reading that was read this morning. So wonderfully. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. But Thanksgiving is not just about things here on earth. Paul begins his letters with prayers and thanksgiving for the church, which is Christ's body here on earth. We've been blessed with a family that goes far beyond those we were given from birth. We have a family that sees things in the same perspective that we do, as we should be united in spirit with the Lord. In Romans chapter 12, verse 15, Paul tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We should be there for our brothers and sisters, giving comfort when we face trials, rejoicing when we achieve victories. And sometimes giving comfort entails personal sacrifice. And while we might find it hard to do something for the benefit of others, we should always be thankful for that opportunity to serve. Because that's one prayer God always answers yes to. Father, is there something I can do to serve you? And Jesus makes this clear in Mark chapter 9. The the disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest. In verse 35, Jesus calls the 12 and says, anyone who wants to be the first must be the very last and servant of all. So when this Thursday comes, I ask that you reflect on one more thing. From the beginning of time, God knew you. As Mitch said during the the Lord's Supper, God sees all time, and you were on that blackboard from the very beginning. God, the all-powerful who created the universe and everything in it, knew every hair from your, on your head, knows your thoughts, knows your hearts, knows what you do, and through it all, God has loved you in a way that defies explanation and knowledge. We've all turned away from him at times, yet God had a plan for us all along. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, beginning of verse 6, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, God died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, through the free will that God himself allowed us, turn away from him and God still loved us. Each of us has been blessed in different ways on earth. We have different families, different characters in them. We have challenges and trials to face. Some have more turmoil in their lives than others. I might think that my life is worse than someone else's. You might think someone around you is worse You might think that someone's doing much better than you are, but stop and think for a moment. Maybe they're just keeping their head above water. Maybe they're just a good duck. You know, you've all seen the ducks out there in the pond, gliding calmly across the water. Cool and calm on the surface, but underneath those feet are just flapping like crazy. Maybe they're putting up a calm exterior and inside they're scrambling to keep themselves going. Through it all, each of us have a savior that we have to thank for the gift of salvation. No matter what we face, we have hope through faith. And as we face our struggles with sin, we truly have something to be thankful for. In Romans chapter 7, beginning verse 21, Paul writes this message of hope. So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are pilgrims in a hostile world, seeking God, seeking to do his will. So this Thursday, let us focus on the light. Once again, as Mitch pointed out during the Lord's Supper in First John chapter 1 and verse 5, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God is that white space all around us. Focus on the light. So in the midst of all the turkey and the potatoes and stuffing and pie, whatever else you might partake of this Thursday, take a moment to reflect that we have so much to be thankful for in Jesus Christ. He knows all about our struggles. He knows we're going to fall. He's also there to pick us up and carry us home. If you haven't accepted God's invitation in baptism, or if you have a need for prayers, please come forward as we stand and sing.